fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. It is your pre-Friday celebration, greatest day of the entire week. That's the way we roll here on this show as we just carpe diem all over this place, baby. Every single day on the program. Welcome into it. This is the Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty. What a crazy day, man. What a wild day in news and the world. It just seems to be getting scarier, weirder, stranger as the days goes on. That TV show Stranger Than Fiction seems to be not more than fiction any longer, but now it seems to be in the real world. We have a lot to talk about today, obviously. By this hour, we're going to talk with Katie Daniel. She is the state policy director for the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America Movement. As we've chatted with them before about abortion debates, what's the latest now that we're going into a new legislative session in January? What could it look like for abortion policy discussions at a statewide level across the nation? And now that we're going into an election season as well, what's the stance for the Democrat policy as they continue to notch that dial further and further to the left? So I'll have that conversation in just a little bit. Before we start that, though, man, I got to tell you, Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, the 56th Speaker of the House, the attacks, the berating hatred from the uh, left side of the aisle is hilarious to watch. How impressive can it be to be a new individual who really wasn't well-known, really wasn't the most popular individual, wasn't on all the mainstream media interviews all the time, was just kind of guy that was behind the scenes doing his job, now has been risen to the top of the tier, I guess, for the Speaker of the House ship and the running and the head of the Republican Party moving forward, and now is one of the most hated men in America from the left side of the aisle. How is it, man? What's it got to feel like? To be the most popular yet impopular person in the country in just a matter of days. Like, it's got it's kind of impressive, right? Don't act like you're not impressed. We have some news on him in just a little bit with some of the outcries and the outpouring of hatred and uh, the left-wing spewing that the Democrats are doing. We'll talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, so there's obviously a lot to talk about. Obviously, some more news out of Israel and the Gaza Strip as well. But we have to touch on, which I'm sure you've heard throughout the day, but we need to cover it ourselves here on this program. Of course, the shooting that happened last night in Maine in our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? Now, here's what I'll say is I was following this live last night. I was actually live as a guest on a podcast program that was online, and I was tagged on If you're on my social media, you can watch it there. But I was live on this podcast as this event was happening, and it was a sad ordeal. Can I just ask the simple question that I think is on everybody's mind? How in the world can an individual be at large for more than an hour shoot up three different facilities that included a bar, bar restaurant place, a bowling alley, and a Walmart for an hour and then just disappear. And no one know where he's at. Law enforcement wasn't able to get there within an hour's time, apparently. No one in any of these vicinities had any type of firearm to stop this individual. How in the world 
is someone at large for more than an hour by themselves and then just disappear, still at large, and the state of Maine now under lockdown for businesses and uh, homes to say, hey, lock your doors, stay inside while we try to search for this individual. They believe like he took off on a jet ski somewhere. They don't know where he's at. And more information coming up about what the shooter's all about. But how in the world does someone stay at large for that long and no one's around to do anything about it? That's my first question. That is the weirdest thing to me. Now, I get it. I mean, small towns. I live in a small town as well outside of Wichita. uh, And, you know, there is a limited amount of law enforcement. But after the first shooting, if you're getting 911 calls, you would think that law enforcement would be swarming the area. Then you have a second place that's hit. And you're like, okay, now we're really going to swarm the area with law enforcement. A third place is hit. And then, poof, just gone and just disappears. I'm still not sure how that happens. But yet... It did, and yet it still is ongoing as the individual is still apparently at large as the Robert Card is his name, the 40-year-old Robert Card, according to the Daily Mail. And and just like on Q, man, like clockwork, just like the Democrats do, we're already hearing the outpouring cries of trying to ban assault rifles, uh, weapons of war, the ARs, because apparently that's what he was carrying. When I first saw the pictures, I didn't know what to think because it was very strange and how he presented himself with some of those cameras that that got him where he was wearing the cargo pants and like a long sleeve shirt, but he looked like a prepster. He looked like a preppy, and he was walking around just with this firearm, just doing his thing. Now, looking more into it, according to the media, from the limited information that we know, his social media has been suspended, and we'll get into that in just a minute because, oh, you know how the progressives love to try and go on the social media to make sure that they label the individual as a one-sided political issue or another but while he's trying while we're trying to figure out the information on this individual himself of course the media losing their minds over him being a quote-unquote right winger the fact that he was a um a a trainer when it comes to self-defense and gun control issues and he was in the military as well he was following a lot of conservative uh media on the Tweety and other social media platforms. So, of course, the media is running on that front and the left wing on cue, like clockwork, my man, going after the gun control measures. Let's start banning the firearm, missing the entire point of this entire conversation. Before we do all that, though, the governor just a couple hours ago made a statement saying that they are still on the hunt for the individual, continued lockdowns are in the area, and what they're going to do with this ongoing investigation. for you today to report that 18 people lost their lives and 13 I'm profoundly saddened to stand before you today to report that 18 people lost their lives and 13 people injured in last night's attacks in memory of those we lost and in honor of those who were injured President Biden and I have ordered all U.S. flags and state of Maine flags to be lowered to half-staff immediately for the next five days. I mean, that'll solve the issue there. Maine State Police have issued a shelter-in-place order for Lewiston, Lisbon, and Bowdoin as the manhunt for that person of interest, Robert Card of Bowdoin, continues. I will let law enforcement speak to the ongoing manhunt and to their investigation. But Mr. Card is considered armed and dangerous, and police advise that Maine people should not approach him under any circumstances. 
I continue to strongly urge Maine people to follow the direction of state and local law enforcement amid this ever-changing situation. Please, if you see anything suspicious, please call 911. There are still many things we don't yet know about these attacks, <clears throat> but the full weight of my administration is behind law enforcement's efforts to capture the person of interest, Robert Card, to hold whoever is responsible for this atrocity accountable under the full force of state and federal law, and to seek full justice for the victims and their families. All right, that was the governor of Maine, Governor Janet Mills, just a little bit ago, and that hit to, to I believe, MSN.com uh, for the audio. So what do we know about this situation other than this individual went on an hour-long rampage, shooting up three different locations and then disappearing into the blue and no one knowing where this individual actually is. And the manhunt continues, the lockdowns continue right now, and everybody's trying to uh, save face for this one. That's a weird circumstance to me. Now, from what we know is that he was in the military, that he is a trainer when it comes to self-defense and firearms and he was checked into a mental institution for two weeks over the summer for hearing voices now i'd like to again reiterate to the left side of the aisle that listen to this program and other radio programs which i know have been talking about this topic as well throughout the day that i want to pose a question to you because thoughts and prayers go out to them obviously but as they say thoughts and prayers are not enough and they want action, and they want immediate action. Government, do something, right? Government, take care of this issue right now. I ask you first off, if you believe in taking away the firearms, because somehow that's going to solve the issue, and maybe he already had his firearms, maybe he didn't, I'm sure he did if he was a trainer and a member of the military, that he probably did, uh, but let's get to that in just a minute. He was on a rampage for an hour, now, that's a lot of time because most school shootings, for example, happen within two to three minutes. And it's usually settled. It's usually done because that's all the time that they have for before they're barricaded in their lockdown or law enforcement shows up to handle the situation. Shootings take seconds if it's an individual shooting. And for the most part, we talked about this on the podcast last night that I was on as this was happening, is that most shootings that happen happen where the shooter knows the victim because there's some type of personal vendetta. They're upset about something, they have high anxiety, and they're looking for retribution. This obviously was not that scenario. Or maybe it was, we don't know. But how in the world, if you have the idea, progressives, to take away firearms, let law enforcement handle the situations, where was law enforcement with an hour-long escapade last night where the individual was able to go to three separate locations between a bar restaurant, a bowling alley, in a Walmart, shoot up the places, killing 18, wounding many others, and then disappear on a jet skier. However, he disappeared to where we're still searching for him a day later. How does that happen, and how does that put faith in any way, shape, or form into law enforcement or the government to take care of you so that way things don't happen in your community and you can live safely, nicely, and cozily in your um, safety net of the government? How does that happen, and how does that entrust faith into law enforcement or at least government-run law enforcement at all when you want to take firearms away and put them in charge of the autopsies as opposed to preemptive strikes. Number two, this is goes without saying, but we talk about this every time, 
This individual obviously had some mental illness issues. If he was in a mental hospital for two weeks over the summer because he's hearing voices, that should have been a cause for concern, which leads to number three of we already have situations in place like this. We already have government red tape in place. We already have the government flagging individuals. If he is an army reservist, which it sounds like he is, he was in the military. He was already screened for being a trainer for firearm safety and training individuals on that. He probably already had multiple firearms because he was involved in this industry, but being part of the military as well, when he checked into that mental health hospital over the summer, doesn't that cause a red flag to pop up for the federal government? Doesn't that already warn us that, hey, this member of the military who is in the Army Reserves, who is on our list as someone who's already giving fire course sa- or firearm, tra- uh, firearm safety training, I swear I can get that out, isn't that already on a government list where that would pop up and warn them of, oh, hey, maybe we should take away that license and maybe we should look at the firearms that he has? If you're advocating for gun, uh, some type of gun regulations, gun confiscation, trying to take away the firearms of citizens because we're not capable of handling them in some way, shape, or form, then why in the world would we trust a system that can't even function with the system that's already in place? That's the question I have. And I'm more than welcome for progressives to answer that question. You can email me at who's your media network at gmail.com because I'm dying for the answer to that. Why would you continue to trust a system and expand a system that isn't working with the system that's already in place for the individuals that are already registered with the government? And you want to put everybody there? And you want to take away all the firearms? How stupid can we be? Because this actually reinforces the idea that all of us should have firearms to not allow so many vulnerable people people to be shot. It's the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So it still kind of blows my mind that we have an entire hour of an active shooter going to three different locations. No law enforcement apparently in the area. Maybe it's a rural area. Not quite sure about Maine. Never been to Maine. Would love to go sometime. Maybe it's a rural community to where there's no law enforcement in the area that late at night. Who knows? But you would think after an hour, maybe there's law enforcement in a town next door. If you call 911 and be like, hey, there's a shooter here. Someone might be on the way relatively soon. But for an hour, there's no law enforcement and there's nobody in sight that has any type of concealed carry with them to defend themselves or put this individual down during an active shooter situation. That, to me, reiterates the fact that there are not enough people out there that have the concealed carry license. And as far as I'm aware in the state of Maine, I was doing a quick Google search yesterday, that they have constitutional carry. Now, they they call it... uh, um, what they call it, uh, the, the media was going after and calling it a, a ridiculous carry or something because they didn't like the fact that you didn't have to get a permit in order to carry in the state of Maine. But it is constitutional carry in the state of Maine. So that many people, that many locations in a rural community with no one with a firearm to be able to put this individual down, we have Democrats calling for additional gun control when obviously the government can't handle what they already have on their plate, which is handling mentally ill military individuals who have gone to mental hospitals 
and they can't red flag them and be like, hey, you know what, maybe you shouldn't have a firearm at this point. If you're hearing voices, there is another thing going on that we should be concerned about, and yet they don't see that. They don't get the conversation. I'm all about it. Thoughts and prayers obviously are needed, but are not enough. Action is needed. What kind of action, Andy? Well, it's not the gun control conversation that always seems to happen. The type of conversation that needs to happen is, first off, why the government didn't act when a military individual who's in the reserves went to a mental hospital for two weeks for hearing voices, and they didn't act upon it. And if the efficiency is not there for the government for who's already on their list, then maybe the efficiency, just throwing this out there, maybe the efficiency is not going to be there when we end up expanding more gun control at the federal level and not allowing more individuals to have firearms. Because to me, if I hear someone going to three different locations over an hour period and no one's stopping them, that tells me that there needs to be a larger amount of individuals that are carrying firearms to protect themselves in these scenarios. Because let's just throw this out there. You're at the bowling alley and no one has a firearm. Someone walks in to level it out. Why you think that even happened in the first place? Again, I never thought it could happen in my community. The conversation that we have every time, right? Never thought it would happen here. And got to be honest, never thought that something like that would happen in Maine. No one ever talks about Maine. Love Maine. Nothing against the state of Maine. But no one really thinks about that. No one thinks that that would happen in that area. Those communities, of course it wouldn't happen in these communities. Nothing would ever happen like that in these communities. That's the wake-up call. That's the reminder of, oh, it can potentially happen in my community. And I need to do something about that. Whether it's self-defense, whether it's carrying a firearm, whether it's just being more alert about what's uh, what your surroundings look like. I don't know what that answer is, but we have to come to the acknowledgement that evil exists. And I think we've gone so long, if you want to really unveil the layers of the onion here, my generation, the younger generations, have gone on so long living in their comfy lifestyles and this safety net that the government has created for us that we don't think there's any more evil out there. There are literally people out there protesting saying free Palestine because the Israelis are the ones causing a genocide in the Gaza Strip. That's their mindset because they don't understand that there is pure evil in the world. And I hate to acknowledge it, hate to say it, hate to see it, but it's there. There is pure evil in the world and it wants to harm you. And if someone is that mentally ill to where they come out of a mental institution from hearing voices and feels like they need to go on a massive shooting rampage who obviously knew what he was doing, that is a cause for concern. So you can either um, unsuccessfully fight to take more firearms away or we can address a real issue that's going to be, uh, I don't know, productive in the conversation, focusing on mental health issues and making sure the government can actually do the job that's already set out for them to do, as opposed to trying to expand that duty. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it here on the program for a pre Friday celebration. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Radio stations all over the place, multiple states all over the Mid America region and beyond. Plus radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen, it's always wonderful. We'll get back to the shooting situation here in just a little bit. 
It is fascinating again. An hour-long rampage and then disappears into thin air and we don't know what to do about it, yet the government wants to take over more control over your Second Amendment. The things that make you go, hmm, because, well, yeah, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So we'll get back to that a little bit later. Plus, we have some news of the media losing their minds, man, over this new uh, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, because the election denier, the pro-Trump individual, the radical conservative, I... I had the theory that Republicans were not voting for Jim Jordan because he was so outspoken and because he was a little bit more on the controversial side and some people loved him, some people hated him, and that they went for Mike Johnson because he was more of the go-along, get-along kind of guy. Still conservative, but kind of a go-along, get-along. And, well, I guess it does, it's proof positive that it really doesn't matter how nice you are and how much you get along with everybody else. If you have an opposing view and you become in some sort of leadership position, man, the media and the Democrats will go after you ad nauseum. So, that being said, let's shift gears a little bit, though, shall we? What's trending today? Because if you don't have the perfect same agenda that they want on the other side of the aisle, then you are the most evil, horrible human being on the face of the earth. And that's what we're up against right now because they continue to move further and further to the left and become more radicalized. And you're supposed to just go along with them as they trudge down that crazy road to talk about some of that and what those platforms look like, especially going into presidential elections next year, state legislative sessions coming up in January, and where their stances are, especially on some of these social issues that have been a hot commodity for a while. Happy to have on the program, she's the state policy director for the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization. Happy to have on here Katie Daniel. Katie, how are you today? I am great. I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to have you on here. It's a wild, crazy world when it seems like common sense doesn't really prevail. The uh, the bipartisan conversations don't seem to happen anymore. It's either get on board with us or else you are going to be canceled. We're going to destroy you. We're going to completely come after you. And uh, you just need to go along with our direction. Like, I, I don't know that we've seen the pendulum swing this far to the left before, have we? Well, that's certainly where the Democrats are at. You know, you mentioned everybody has to get on board with the most extreme agenda this is something we've really seen a real transformation in the Democratic Party where they've run out anyone who's even a little bit pro-life. Most recently, Robert F. Kennedy, he said, oh, I, I might support a first trimester um, law. And, and they literally ran him out of their party. And I think, you know, the new senator from California, another great example of this. She is a literal abortion fundraiser who does not live in California, but that's who Gavin Newsom chose to represent the state in the Congress. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild how far that they've gone. Katie, when did we see the main priority for the Democrat Party, really their entire platform, be based on identity politics with the LGBTQ stuff and abortion issues? I mean, social issues have always been very controversial to talk about, which is why many people don't like to even talk about them. But Democrats have taken it to another level to make them their main priority focus on the campaign trail to try to win elections on. And I don't know if that's a very smart policy to do. Well, it's certainly very out of step with the American people who have a lot of consensus about these issues and are much closer to the pro-life point of view. But it is in step with their biggest donors. And if you look at groups like Planned Parenthood, like the ACLU, like Emily's List, which Senator Butler formally led, they spent $100 million electing pro-abortion Democrats last cycle. 
So you really just have to follow the money to see where these opinions are coming from. Yeah. Uh, it was a big hit with Democrats after a couple of years ago when we had the reversal of Roe v. Wade, bringing the issues back down to the statewide levels. The Biden administration, though, they haven't really given this up, have they? They continue to talk about it. Kamala Harris is the VP, continues to make that her focal point, And they want to bring this back to a federal level. Do you think that's going to happen? Well, we know that there are not the votes in Congress for the pro-abortion bill that the Democrats have been running the last couple Congresses. Fortunately, <laughs> there are not the votes. And I think if pressed, some of these vulnerable seat Democrats, especially in the Senate, would, would tell their colleagues, I don't want to vote on this because the people in my state don't want all of our laws wiped out. They don't want pills being sent through the mail to their kids without them knowing. That's what the Democrats' bill would do nationally. It would make every state be under the laws of California, Colorado, and New York. Yeah. When that reversal happened, I remember the stories, and I'm sure you remember this as well, the headlines. I think there was one down in Texas where uh, they were saying that women that were pregnant that wanted an abortion, that were having issues, medical issues, whatever the case was, were dying in the street because it was so confusing that it wasn't some universal law anymore at the federal level. And now that the states were making their decisions, they didn't know what was available to them, that they were letting a child who had died inside of them to continue to be in there because they didn't think they were allowed to go get it taken care of. And that all these stories of all these women that were dying in the streets from the reversal of Roe v. Wade, um, obviously I haven't seen any headlines like that for a while, but I'm assuming they're still using those types of arguments to try and centralize the power again, because remember, we're not smart enough to realize that things could be done at a state level rather than a federal level, right? Well, you know, those stories are just not true. And what's so frustrating is that every pro-life law, the 25 states that have passed the pro-life law, all of these laws provide for medical emergency care. If a woman is in a true emergency, she can get the care that she needs. Every single law includes that. And yet they tell these stories and they actually actively confuse doctors. We've talked to doctors who say, what I read in the news makes me very confused about what I'm able to do. So they've got to stop lying. What the truth is, is that very recently we saw headlines about a young woman in Nevada who died from a chemical abortion. Um, she had sepsis, she had an infection, and very tragically died. And that was all, quote unquote, the way things are supposed to be done. She went to Planned Parenthood, she got the pills, and things went wrong because that happened, because these pills are unsafe. So they need to be telling the true stories about the inherent dangers of these pills and stop lying to confused women and confused doctors. Yeah, not even just the pills that they're handing out at the clinic, but now they're looking at those telemedicine and just being able to call a doctor and have them mailed right to you without even having a doctor look at you. I mean, that takes things to another level of danger for the for the parent and for the women, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It removes all of those safeguards. It also removes her opportunity to learn about what's going on, to see the ultrasounds, to hear about her baby, and to learn about her own health risks. Because this is an inherently dangerous procedure. It's very serious. She's left alone to decide, how sick am I? Do I need to go to the emergency room? There's no one there to help her. So this is lethal for the baby always. We can't forget that. But it's also incredibly dangerous for women and girls of our country. And we should be stepping up and saying we deserve better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're talking with Katie Daniel. She's a state policy director for the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, which you can find online at sbaprolife.org. Katie, I live in the state of Kansas where my flagship is. We had some legislation this year 
And now a lawsuit that's ongoing because uh, pro-abortion activists in the state are suing the state that mandated doctors to talk about the risks of that pill, but along with that, also telling them that they need to tell women about a possible pill that could reverse the abortion if they choose to do so within a certain amount of time that could actually keep things going and giving them all this information to allow them to make their own choice in the state. They're suing the state of Kansas because they're saying doctors should not give out that information to women. That to me shows they're not here to allow people to make the choice they want the abortion to happen. They're encouraging the abortion to actually happen, and they don't want people to second-guess that choice once they consider it. That, to me, takes it to another level. Yeah, I agree, and we've heard these really tragic stories where a woman takes these for the first pill. She immediately regrets it. She calls back and says, what can I do? And they say, nothing. You have to take the second pill. Mm. And then she goes to the emergency room, and they say, there's nothing you can do. And she literally goes on Google and finds somebody who helps her and is able to give her the progesterone, which is a common treatment for women with cancer and other high-risk pregnancy diagnoses. And then they're able to save her baby. But at those points of contact where she's told to go, they say there's nothing we can do. And so that's why the state of Kansas said it is so important that every woman gets this information so that she knows. If she has that regret, there is someone she can talk to. Yeah. Were you surprised with, uh, let's talk about Kansas for just a second here. Were you surprised with the number of abortions that happened here? Because we did, uh, after a ballot measure, right after the reversal of Roe v. Wade, we did, uh, I guess, secure abortions in the state by giving it to the power to the Supreme Court in the state, which said that it was a constitutional right. So we're seeing people flood from all over the Mid-America region here to Kansas to perform uh, and get their abortions performed here, and the numbers have skyrocketed. Was that surprising, do you think, after uh, the the states were able to make their own decisions? Well, I think, you know, we've seen that in a few regions. I live in Florida, and similarly, um, some, there have been some increases in our numbers here. I think for the states that still have legal abortion, um, we were going to see that no matter what in the first year after Dobbs. Um, because abortion is being pushed so strongly by the media and by the Democrats, as her only option. So our hope is that we're really going to see a stabilization as more women see the options available to them, the resources available to them, and many more women choose life. Yeah, amen to that. Katie Daniel, she is the state policy director for the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure. Fantastic. I want to continue this conversation on looking out into the next election for 2024. The Democrats obviously making it a priority. What candidates may be pushing this harder than some of the others? Well, we see that as a policy decision for the Biden administration. Maybe a Gavin Newsom, maybe a Michelle Obama. What could we see for the Democrats moving forward? And what states may be addressing this in their upcoming legislative sessions in 2024? We'll cover all that and more right around the corner for our pre-Friday celebration. It's The Voice Reason. we got so much more to get to. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. What's up? Welcome in for a pre-Friday celebration last few minutes. Oh, how the time flies right on by so quickly. we got so much to talk about and so little time to do it. There is <laughs> the attacks on Mike Johnson right now are hilarious. The latest one that we've heard from at least some of the Democrats is he is one of the most least experienced elected officials to take over the House of Representatives. In fact... They showed a chart, according to Axios.com, that he is the second least experienced uh, House of Representatives member to take over the House speakership. Just the, the only person behind him was a John Carlisle that was elected in December 3rd of 1883 that had 6.75 years of experience. Mike Johnson has 6.81 years of experience, and they go all the way up. So according to the establishment, the wishy-washy, the elites, they want that experience. They want someone that's been there for 40 years to run things and keep things going with the status quo. That's something that we're not doing any longer, and I think that, to me, my friends, is something we should be very proud of. we got a few minutes left here with Katie Daniel. She's the State Policy Director for the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization. You can find them online at sbaprolife.org. Speaking of, Katie, i got to get your thoughts on the new speaker because it sounds like he is a very conservative individual. He's very religious. He's fought very hard for the pro-life movement. This should be good, I think, for the messaging of the Republicans in the House and what legislation may be coming out of there, don't you think? Yes, we were happy to uh, support him and celebrate him yesterday. Congressman Johnson um, really has a heart for this issue. Um, and, you know, I personally worked with his staff several years ago on um, an amicus brief that he led for his colleagues in the Supreme Court in support of the state of Louisiana's pro-life laws. Um, so they are a great team, and we're really excited to, to get the House back to work. I love that. I love that. That's great news. Uh, real quick, let's talk about the elections for next year and the potential Democrat platform and candidates. We have Joe Biden, possibly Gavin Newsom, possibly Michelle Obama, possibly Hillary Clinton again. It sounds like because why the heck not? We're just going back to the old guard across the board. Uh, not that any of them would be much better than the other, but out of all those, which are the most dangerous, do you think, to the pro-life movement if one of them were to be elected again? Well, so far we've seen Joe Biden really um, in a race to the bottom. He has been the most pro-abortion president we have ever had. He said with the Dobbs decision he was going to take a whole-of-government approach to forcing abortion into every nook and cranny of the government. Uh, And so far they have attempted to deliver Fortunately, we've got strong pro-life states that have fought back. But I think um, if he's the example for anyone else getting in the field, uh, we're in real trouble. And Republicans have an opportunity to draw that contrast because these are very unpopular policies with the American people. Yeah, the national polls that we see say that the majority of Americans, at least according to these polls, want at least some sort of quote-unquote freedom on the conversation, but they're not looking for the abortion up until the nine months or almost towards uh, you know the, the pregnancies due. They're not wanting even third trimester. If they are open to it, they're looking at like the first couple of weeks, maybe the first month, maybe the first trimester. But that's about where the American public is on this, which means Democrats are definitely out of touch. And they have a long ways to go if they're going to try and win people over on that issue. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, poll after poll shows that around 70 percent of Americans support a law that protects babies at 15 weeks when they can feel pain in the womb. If they were having a surgery that wasn't the abortion, uh, they've been given anesthesia. The vast majority of Americans support that. They actually support laws that are much more protective. Uh, But there's true consensus at that point. And, you know, we've got to remember 
we had Roe v. Wade for 50 years. (laughs) So we're not going to undo that mindset overnight. Um, But certainly a law like the 15-week law um, would have national support and would be a whole lot better for a state like Kansas, where unfortunately the state Supreme Court has really put their thumb on the scale and said that um, there's not that much the legislature can do to regulate this, even though the population of your state is very pro-life. Yeah. Amen to that. It is, like you said, it's going to take a long time to unravel this and for the re-education. And by re-education, I'm meaning letting people know really what the facts are about the issue and preserving life, both for the child and the health of the mother. True health, not just like going to Planned Parenthood and just getting a pill because that apparently consists of health care nowadays. Uh, I want to talk to you so much more about this. We're out of time, my friend, but we got to get you back on because I want to talk about the state legislatures going into the new session here soon because I'm hoping this is going to be a frontal topic for those to focus on. Katie, let's get you back on the show again real soon. What do you say? Sounds good. I'll be there. Absolutely. I love it and appreciate it very much. It's Katie Daniel. She's the state policy director for the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization. Find them again online, sbaprolife.org. And we appreciate everything they're doing. Keep up that fight very, very much. Back at it again tomorrow. We have a loaded show for you there. We have a couple really amazing guests we'll get to and some really interesting news that we'll talk about. So you're not going to miss it, plus our syndicated program over the weekend. Some really cool stuff. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.